Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. I'm Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got something a little bit different for you today. Robin Black is in studio with me. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so we're going to hash out some ideas. You know, I spoke to our producers here leading up to this fight, and, you know, this is a fight that is difficult for people to get up for. This yep. John Jones-Dominic Reyes main event, and you've got Shevchenko and Chukagian. That's a, that's a pretty big Scrabble score between the two of them. Shout yeah. out to uh, Suzanne Davis, who does Scrabble scores for all the fighters. But um, the thing about this fight is because we're coming off of the Conor McGregor hangover, a lot of people aren't paying as much attention to this fight as I think they should. I mean, we've got an undefeated fighter, a young fighter, facing another technically undefeated fighter. Technically not undefeated, but basically undefeated fighter in John yep. Jones. Uh, and if you look at the career of John Jones, I think I looked at... Before Reyes made his professional debut, John Jones had seven title defenses or something along those lines. Like we're, we're talking about yeah, night and day experience, but there are certain things that happen with experience, which you take more damage. Yep. And uh, of course, you also have to face somebody now that is young, explosive, and while a big underdog, and I think a rightfully big underdog, I think Dominic Reyes has a very, very interesting matchup here with Jones and poses some issues for Jones that he may not have seen before. I, I agree, and you know. It's an interesting thing when you, like, this is a weird job. You know, hanging out, talking about, you know, talking about fights or football. It's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical, but, you know, you gather actual information and you try to look at truth as much as possible. You know, a lot of times when we have a conversation like this, people will be like, well, you guys are homers or you're just trying to convince. We have no goal to convince anybody of anything. If we can convince you, I mean, good on us. That would be great. I mean, I I had trouble convincing myself from watching tape. (laughs) I went to our producer last week and said, I think Reyes has a really good shot here. And then I went and watched tape and I was like, Oh, yeah, John Jones is, like, the best fighter ever, and who knows what's going to happen in this fight. But, I mean, just trying to find holes in John Jones's game, I mean, it's like looking for Swiss cheese and a brick of cheddar cheese. You're looking for holes that don't exist. It's true. Um, so you have to change the game. The, the game that he plays, he's been playing essentially perfectly. So you have to play a different game. There's, there's also, like, a lot of things that we talk about when we try to uh, discuss these things that are just isms. They're just things people say on radios and, and, and on television and on podcasts. You want to look at the real truth. And th- you start from a simple, simple truth, and that is as soon as the greats lose, we're always surprised. Should we really be surprised? Inevitably, John Jones is going to lose. And when he Maybe. loses, well, I think <laughs> he will. I mean, he's human. And what, what tends to happen is if he doesn't lose now, He will continue fighting until he's not as good as he is. And somebody, just like you're suggesting, younger, faster, better, he can't quite predict how well they move and how quickly they move and how athletically they move. He loses the ability to gauge how different and special young new athletes are while he also slows down. And usually they fight long enough that they lose inevitably, right? And the big question becomes, is that now and is that Dominic Reyes? And the answer is, sure, maybe. Why not? You know? Well, that's why we've got to explore. And I think that's what's cool about it. Who do you think loses first, Khabib or John Jones? If you had to guess. Man, that's a tough one. They are both in positions to lose. And I say that carefully because I love Khabib. Both these guys. I'm just in awe of both of them. And as a connoisseur of fighting, I just love watching these guys do stuff, you know? But... They will, they're both in positions to lose. And when they do, we'll all act like we're surprised, but we shouldn't be surprised. How would you beat Khabib Nurmagomedov? You punch him until he's unconscious. Can somebody do that? Yeah, of course they can. Or you can. sub him. Yeah. Well, that's going to be trickier, but can be done, sure. How do you beat John Jones? You knock him down with a shot, and he's hurt, and you choke him unconscious. 
Is that possible? Of course it is. John Jones has been punched many times, and any one of those could have, in, uh, in the process to us sitting here right now, knocked That's him down. Game of centimeters. Exactly. Millimeters. Mm-hmm. Millimeters. Daniel Cormier punches you, and, and it's, instead of it hitting the jawbone or the cheekbone, it hits the temple, and we're not having a conversation about an undefeated fighter. So the, it is so rare and weird to be able to be undefeated that it's actually bizarre, and you should expect them to eventually be defeated. It's a lot That's, of pressure. Yeah, it's the truth of it. The truth of it is one really hard punch from a Dominic Reyes that lands in the right spot, John Jones falls down, either unconscious or so hurt that he can be finished. That's a truth in every single fight. And the longer somebody stays undefeated, the more we think that is likely to continue. And in my opinion, it's more likely to be, to be discontinued soon. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know? to, for, to me, I think that if Khabib beats Ferguson, he's going to retire undefeated. That would like, be, I think that that's yeah. his biggest challenge, and we'll see how it goes. It would be beautiful. Like, don't you want these guys to do it? You know, don't you want them to— It never really happened. Yeah. In fighting, it certainly The only guy I can think yeah. of that, like, retired as champion undefeated was— um, I can't even remember Cole Conrad yeah, <laughs> in Bellator, I mean, like the Bellator go. heavyweight champion. Yeah. Can there, you think of yeah. other examples? I don't, no. I mean, am I forgetting anybody? No, nothing. There is certainly nothing that that is obvious that we're not thinking about. It. That's it, a long time ago. That's a long time ago. It doesn't happen. Uh, it's too. There's too many ways to to lose. And the just like I said, we. Being hit a lot of times in fights and never having been knocked down isn't something that continues forever. And so you and I were talking about this going into it. We're shooting a piece for SportsCenter where we want to look at the reality of how this would happen. Not a sportscaster version of, you know, if, if they rush against the, the, the throwing, you know, if, not, a, not a, a sportscaster version, just a real life. Like, how could this guy do it? And you have a few reasons that you see that, that this guy's a live underdog. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have brought it up, and yeah. we would and just be going into it thinking that this is just going to be another John Jones walk in the park. Yeah. And why, what are some of those reasons? Because for and Aaron and I are going to do this on Sports Center today, and our job is to flush it out as as real as possible, as honest and truthful as possible. Although sometimes when you do television or podcasts or radio, it's fun to just exaggerate or have fun or, or provoke or whatever. But that's not what we're after here. We're looking for the truth of how and why this young man can beat the greatest fighter in the world. But what are some of the things that you see that make that likely? Well, a lot of the strengths that Reyes has are things that Jones has struggled with in the past. Good combos, good leg kicks, which I think Reyes has underrated leg kicks. And one thing that he just hasn't faced is the kind of power that Reyes possesses. I, like, you can look back and you can go down and you can say, well, Rampage Jackson had big power, especially yeah. when Jones faced him. But that left hand that he has, it reminds me a lot of Conor McGregor. Where he plants yeah. his, left, his mm-hmm. back foot when he's moving backwards and moves forwards. And Jones isn't the type of guy that's not going to move forward. Yeah. Jones is going to move yeah. forward. Uh, and when I watched the Jones-Cormier 2, the reason why I point out Jones-Cormier 2 is because that was a fight where John Jones looked like he was at his best. Like he was zoned in. He wanted to big brother yeah. Daniel Cormier, and, and it, you know you can make no mistake about it. And you can also point out that Cormier, I think, was at his best too. I think Cormier was, you know, was basically in his prime. Um, wanted to avenge that loss. His body looked great going into that fight, and he was landing some really. I think it's the best striking we've seen from Cormier in terms of combos, in terms of putting it together, um, in terms of his wrestling and wrestling yeah. defense, wrestling in reverse. I think that Cormier was doing everything he right did. in that fight. Yeah, he and if you lost. if you can land those kind of combos against John, that's where John you see John think. You, yeah. you see John try to process what's happening. 
And Dominic Reyes has a degree in information systems. Like, this is a guy who has uh, experience with, like, high-level problem solving, yeah. which is what you need in order to beat a guy who really has never been mentally broken in the cage. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to be mentally broken. I mean, there's a lot to unpack when you think about these things. I, so, I don't think he – like, I think yeah. that if you look at him and you try to break him mentally – you're kind of working against yourself. I think the best way to beat him is just you, him you, you hit physically. him with a clean shot. Yeah, yeah. you hit him with yes. a clean shot and you knock yeah. him out. And, and that's the best way to beat almost anybody. That's the best way to beat anybody <laughs> is you make them, you separate them from their consciousness. Yeah. The question is how. Yeah, that, the question is how. And so we often end up looking a lot at tactics and or, or you know, techniques or punches or kicks or movement, specific, like, Choices that people make in the cage. But John Jones generally, although he's great at using his tactics, he generally beats you with strategy. He beats you with the broad strokes of it. He beats you with the philosophies of it. For example, you want to punch him in the head. That's the, as you pointed out, Cormier did his best and so did uh, Gustafson when landing knuckles on his chin. That's, in, that's the name of the game. We're trying to punch somebody in the face for the purpose of separating them from their consciousness. Now, his game will be to make that not a thing, okay? So if I'm John Jones, everything that we're saying, and this is key always, everything we're saying here, everything any one of us can look at, we can tweet or we can discuss about something. Jones knows these things and so do his coaches. So when we go, the key to beating John Jones, we got to use a lot of leg kicks. That's a tactic. The answer for them is the strategy of defeating you when you, we know the tactics you want to do is put, be in a situation where you can't use those tactics. Right. So that everything we're saying is not uh, is not unknown to Jones or not unknown to his coach. And imagine if you said if I said to you, the way to defeat you is X and you knew this for many years. Of course, you're going to build your game around penalizing me for that. So that's where Jones is very, very difficult. These are the realities in when we we talk about the best thing. And Anthony Johnson or Anthony uh, Smith said this. And so did Daniel Cormier. The, the we think Jones will be weakest at punching range at the range where my knuckles can touch his chin. There's two problems with that. One, he knows that. So if he knows that's something you want to do. And two, where he can touch your chin is a much longer distance than where you can touch his because he has that large, long uh, what he'll have six inches more reach. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's eighty four and a half versus seventy seven. Yeah. So yeah, seven, seven and a half. And, so that's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the length from your, well, probably it's more than the length of your hand. It's past the, from the tip of depending on how large your hand is from the tip of your hand, well past your wrist. That's a long range. The other thing is, we want to do that. He leans, so he doesn't just have that. And this is both a error, a, a bug, and a feature. When I try to punch John Jones, he leans away. As a result, I don't reach him because, one, he's seven inches longer in reach than me. Two, he uses his torso in such a way to move his chin even an extra, like, eight, nine, ten inches even further back. That's the thing that you have to try to find the answer for and exploit. And the answer to it is you move your feet, right? So when Cormier was able to punch John Jones in the head with, large, with combinations, you'll notice his feet were moving in between the punches. That's... Um, that is John Jones knowing what you want to do, punch him, you think he's weakest, him having an answer for it, 
using his uh, range, using his length, and using that lean that he uses a ton where he leans from the body, and then you answering that answer. That's the sophistication that you need to do to beat John Jones. Now, the other way, and the reason we're looking at Dominic Reyes and thinking maybe he can do it, the other way to do it is just be so much more quicker, more athletic, faster, uh, travel across distance faster than him in a way that he can't predict. And that's how um, Tyron Woodley beat a lot of people. You think you know how fast he is. And so, and uh, you know the idea of space-time, that space is time? When we fight, space is time. The amount of space between us is the, the length of time that you have to do or, or not do something, to have something done to the other or he can do to you. Um, Tyron Woodley moves through space-time much faster than your brain anticipates. That's the way... That's why when we look at Dominic Reyes, we go, maybe he could beat him. And if he does, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll be by knocking him out. It'll be a left hand to the temple or the jaw or the button. He'll go down and we'll all go, oh, my God, is Dominic Reyes the greatest ever? And, the, <laughs> and we'll all say that. Is he the GOAT? He just beat the GOAT. We'll all freak out. And notice how Max yeah. Holloway is now like the 12th best pound for pound guy in the world yeah. just because like he lost one fight. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's amazing how, crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is crazy. It's yeah. amazing how quickly people just change their opinions on things yeah. based on one thing, one moment. Yeah, it's because... We're not actually thinking super rationally when we look at, you know, sports or entertainment. We're thinking passionately. We're like, we love it. It's cool. Oh, my God. Conor McGregor rules or he sucks or whatever. And we we think with passion. Uh, And that passion makes us really not – it biases what we see and why we see it. The the truth of it is the greatest fighter in the world ever is somebody fighting right now. That's So it's probably John Jones is probably Khabib. But they can be beaten just because they're the greatest martial artists. You will still lose. You know, great. You know, I saw Beyonce almost or uh, J-Lo in the Super, time, uh, the Super Bowl halftime show. Or no, it was a Beyonce one. I was watching a number of, of halftime performances because I love that, that high level of performance. It's very similar to a fight. This is everything is on the line. The pressure is intense. And the preparation has been nuts. And you got to do it. And she almost fell. And during the fall, she corrected that fall. And it's, that's even more impressive than not falling to me. But that's the kind of thing. If Beyonce can fall, John Jones can, John fall. Jones can <laughs> fall, right? Like these are the highest level of performers in the world. They do make errors. And that's the other thing. It, why being unbeaten is so freakish because one small mistake at the same moment that somebody does something great and it's over you're not, you're not undefeated anymore so that shouldn't be expected to last forever and it and anybody if you if you grab a hundred of the best coaches and fighters real martial artists who've dedicated their life to being in the gym every day and analyzing it and you say you know you ask them about somebody beating john jones they're like of course on any given day any one of these guys could easily, it could just happen. And it does happen. It's happened to all their best fighters, and it happened to them when they fought, and it will happen to everybody in the future. It is, there's just so many things going on. There's a, it's so chaotic, and it, it is a number of different chaotic systems working simultaneously. So, of course, people are going to lose. And, but does that mean it's, and that also is all the more reason it's so amazing when they don't. When you have Khabib or John Jones for that long and just to not lose and not, it, it's incredible. It really is transcendently brilliant to, to see. And if you look at the same card, you know, the co-main event, Shevchenko's like a 12 to 1 favorite against Chukagian. Like we're talking about somebody who I don't think anybody, if you said find someone at 125 that has a shot of beating Shevchenko, you, 
you'd be lost. What was the fight we just Barber who, who Maisie Barber against uh, Modafferi? Yeah, Roxy. Yeah, my girl Roxy was like the biggest underdog on earth. Yeah, she, she was like a seventh one, yeah. sixth or seventh one yeah. underdog, which is insanity. Like there is no professional fighter in the world who is a seven to one underdog at at the at the high level where you're in the top forty or fifty who is a seven to one underdog to any other fighter unless they happen to know that somebody's you know really badly injured or ill or some yeah, kind but of factor. Vegas would correct that. Yeah, yeah. At the, like Rock, and I know this is a tangent here, but the beauty of Roxy winning that fight is when you go back and you you look at who Roxy is. She started fighting in, like, honestly, 2003 or something. I think Macy Barber was five when she had her first fight. And if you follow Roxy, she went to Japan because she loves martial arts, and she fought in Japan against the best fighters in the world. You look back at her her track record between 2007 and 2013, the very best fighters on planet Earth. She's the first person in the gym and the last one to leave, and she cleans the mats, and she's a real and martial artist, and she teaches, and she's in a constant state of improvement and always getting better. That's what, a, that's what the journey of a martial artist is. And when anybody thinks that that person cannot defeat some 8-0 and o really talented fighter, they're crazy. They're, they're literally – it's a type of, of insanity where we don't really understand the reality of what we're looking at, to really believe that she could not beat that, that person. And it's the same thing. Like, just let's say on Monday morning, John Jones knocks out Dominic Reyes in seven minutes. That doesn't mean Dominic Reyes couldn't beat him on a night. Because Anthony Smith lost that fight doesn't mean Anthony Smith could not beat him sometime. He beat uh, Cormier twice. Yeah, Mark Montoya said, like, basically the game plan that they'd come up with for Jones just wasn't executed. Yeah, yeah. And... And a lot of that is because a game plan is not something you do. A game plan is something that happens in the dynamic of two people fighting. So you not executing your game plan, sometimes you will blame yourself. Oh, I didn't do it. Or your coach will say, oh, we didn't do it. Well, that's really also a credit to him. Your brain hesitated on doing particular things you had wanted it to do. Why did it do that? Because of information that you were gathering from looking over at John Jones standing there. And your brain hesitated. It sold you out, and you were unable to do the thing. That's not because you had a bad night. It's because John Jones is John Jones. And that thing that I'm describing, you have to – it's real until it isn't. Mm-hmm. Right? I think what Mark Montoya said also um, – I read a piece that Brett Okamoto wrote. Uh, and It was a bunch of coaches Brett's talking awesome. about how – to beat John Jones. I mean, of course, every coach, a lot of the coaches that I'm not going to tell you, but yeah. one thing that Mark Montoya said is like, John always does something wild out of the, you know, right off the jump True. because he just wants you to feel yeah. how strong he is. Yeah. And, and then, then in your head, you're like, oh, okay, now I understand. Yeah. And th- that can throw off your whole night. For sure. And knock him out right there is part of the plan. Is like commit offense versus that offense. And you could get knocked out too. And if you failed, and, and I had a, a discussion with somebody. It got animated. We were watching football. Uh, the Super Bowl was on Sunday, as people probably are well aware. I literally <laughs> it <was>. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally. I PBR'd like, it for next weekend. <laughs> I'm so deep in martial arts bubble that I said to Jason, our producer, when he said, yeah, it's been really busy around here on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. I said, oh, does it slow down this weekend? He paused and he's like, no, the Super Bowl is this weekend. And that's how much in a bubble. I didn't even know who the teams were. But we were discussing something, and a guy and a coach called a play. And the guy said, that's a dumb play. That's a bad decision. And I said, just because it didn't work, doesn't. that's called resulting. 
afterwards you say it didn't work, therefore it was bad. That's not true. The reason he did something that would be considered, you might consider bad with only the information that we can gather sitting on the couch, is because it's unexpected. It's the, if it's, quote, the wrong play, sometimes doing it is a good move because the other people would never do it because it's, quote, the wrong play, right? These are the issues that uh, – and so just because it failed didn't mean it was wrong. If you tried to go heavy offense against John Jones in that first minute when he's pushing forward, if you got yourself knocked out, doesn't mean it was incorrect. It just means it failed, right? Right. And it's the same thing. He will. His game is about making you fail. There's also so many, he's really when you look at sort of the art of war, the philosophies of how to fight and, and particular things you do. There's a lot of things he does like, quote, uh, imagine this. And, and he gets cri- uh, criticized for this. But this is not something that, you know, high, that other martial artists criticize him for. He'll only show enough to win. That's really smart. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, if there's a whole lot more you could do versus OSP, but you don't do it, that will make your boss mad. It will make fans mad sometimes. But it's really smart because, you know, we don't know what that is. But it's funny. You look at John Jones and his performances. His worst performances are against the fighters that it seems he has no interest in fighting. Yep. Like, the ones that are, you know, the, the, the lowest level of challenger that he's had. Gustafson at the time, the first time he fought mm-hmm. Gustafson, he was a massive favorite. Um, Anthony Smith. Yep. Tiago Santos. Yep. These are people he was expected to walk through. Uh, OSP, who you just yep. mentioned, a guy who he was just expected to walk through. Those are the people that he doesn't, sh- like you said, just doesn't show all of his tools mm-hmm. against because he knows he's winning and yep. he just he keeps winning. Yeah, he just commits to winning and, and that's and, it. And that's smart. Uh, and then you can... see him against Cormier and he's doing all kinds. He does a lot of things in the cage that I think a lot of people consider cheap, but yep. they're within the rules. Like yep. when he grabs the arms and he, he, he kind of yep. like tweaks it so that your shoulder... It's limb destruction. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's the oblique kicks. Yeah. I mean, if you... Sportsmanship. Let's call it sportsmanship. Go out into the forest and find me a bucket of sportsmanship. Like it's <laughs> not a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's in your mind. So while fighting... You can choose. We can have an unwritten agreement, and we could say that makes him a bad person or it makes him like a jerk or whatever. But we have to decide whether or not we're going to be sporting in that way. And ultimately, you're fighting. Like At at the end of the day, if you were in a fight with another human being in a parking lot— Rules are not well, going to apply. You're going to do whatever tried to it takes. Hurt your, yeah. your kid. Yeah, you know, right. What are you going to do? You're going to fight, and it, it. This is what it is, right? But so, what is the downside? What? Is, why wouldn't you do things that we yeah. call Foot quote, stomps, dirty shoulder yeah. strikes? Exactly. Why? What yeah. is the downside to it? Well, you win, and you win while taking less damage. So those are good things. You make more money. You remain undefeated. Whatever. What is the downside? The downside is other humans may have a bad opinion of you. If you don't care about that, then there is no downside. But John Jones has clearly never cared about it. He doesn't (laughs) care, and neither should he. And in fact, you can even use that as a tool. You know, uh, making people dislike you can be a tool. Now, it can be a tool that fails, but (laughs) because, like, Conor McGregor made Habib really hate him, and that was bad for him. And he didn't know that. He didn't know. I mean, the same thing happened with Aldo, and it worked. Exactly. Exactly right. It's that's exactly right. And so John Jones, if he lost to Daniel Cormier, we would be like, oh, you know, and again, I'm resulting. It, it failed, but that doesn't mean it was wrong. Just because you made Khabib so mad that he beat the crap out of you doesn't mean it was the wrong approach. It failed. But f- just because something failed doesn't mean it wasn't worth trying. 
John Jones makes make, by making people dislike him and even poking you in the eye. Again, is that illegal? Is it illegal, Aaron, to poke somebody in the eye in a fight? It is, but it's very loosely enforced. Right. And, so, and not to mention that John Jones gets a lot more rope because he's always done that. He's always stuck his hands yeah. out. He's you know one day a ref. It could be in this fight. Sure. We'll say, don't do that. You're, yeah. you're going to lose a point. It, yes. And, but if he said, don't do that, you're going to lose a point after I did it, was right. it really illegal? Because if, if you watch back how many of, you know, if you watch back all of his fights, how many times do you think he's poked someone in the eye? It's like probably six out of ten fights, yeah, right? Exactly. So he has never been penalized for that. What's the downside? Well, he didn't get penalized. What's the upside? The other guy's hurt. Maybe it's affected his vision. Maybe it's made him hesitate. Maybe it's made him upset. Is there a downside? People don't like you. If, again, if that doesn't matter to you, then there is no downside. And in the worst-case scenario, ref takes a point, two yeah. points. Yeah. You still have compromised your opponent. For sure. And Would you trade? And his vision, yeah. and you're John Jones. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so all of those things are tricky. But, you know, if and when the guy goes in and knocks out John Jones or Khabib, we will misread necess- – uh, many of us may misread what that means. All that means is people get knocked out. Fighters lose. Fighters fail. All great fighters have one. And it doesn't mean uh, uh, Dominic Reyes is better than John Jones. It means on that night, he was able to separate him from his consciousness because John Jones is a human. We've seen that he's human because he's lost a round here and there. He's been hit hard here and there. The, the evidence is there that you can punch him in the head very hard. Dominic Reyes, fast, young, athletic. Can be the big question is is he deceptively athletic? Tyron Woodley is my fa- favorite example of that. Although there's also like Chad Mendez at his peak and and Uriah Faber even these guys were deceptively athletic where y- you wouldn't know until you fought them. Yeah. If he's that, well, he, now all of a sudden and he's got to know yeah. how athletic Reyes is because Reyes like he compared him to OSP. He said OSP played D one football and he whatever he went yeah. to Stony uh, Brook or whatever it is. The difference there, though, is that OSP, and I'm, I'm talking yeah. football language yeah. now, so I apologize, yeah. <laughs> but OSP was a linebacker, which means he can run at you at a high speed and, mm-hmm. and tackle you, or he can run, he can find you on the field and tackle you. Dominic Reyes was a safety at six foot four, mm-hmm. which is almost impossible. To be a six yeah. foot four safety, and you're tracking guys on the field for an entire football game, and you're making interceptions, you're making judgment calls, you're solving problems, you're trying to figure out if it's a pass. A linebacker doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you mess up in your linebacker and you think it's going to be a rushing play and it ends up being a passing play and you lose your assignment, it's not kind of, kind of not the end of the world because you're kind of a free flowing. Yeah, yeah piece of the of, of the defense if you're a safety you have your like you basically need to figure out where the ball's going to go and you need to like you need to get there at a, fa- at a high speed you need to try to intercept the ball you need to know exactly what's going on, in the, on like safety is a very intricate position yeah. it's a very tough position to play not that linebacker isn't yeah. but it's a different sort of athleticism and it's a different sort of iq smart it's a smart, it's a smart athleticism position. yeah so uh you know dominic reyes's manager i forget his name he goes tiki no, it was Rick Guerrero. Oh, yes. he's, he's now with Tiki Ghost. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Well, former when, UFC. Player. When Rick and we talked to him about about him, the the high level managers and coaches right now are looking around for the light heavyweights and and heavyweights who are super athletic because they know these guys can win titles. Right? Doesn't mean they will. It doesn't mean he will be the guy to defeat John Jones. And even if he did, can you imagine? Let's let's actually jump ahead. Sunday, he, he beat John Jones. Knocks and, him out. Knocks him out. Mm-hmm. And we're all freaking out, and, and that's amazing. How motivated do you think John Jones suddenly becomes? 
Do you, do you like? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, that's what John Jones needs. Like John yeah. Jones, I think he is working really hard to get himself up for this fight. He's calling Dominic out on Twitter. He's making it personal when because Dominic Reyes isn't the type of guy that yeah. really wants to make it personal. He doesn't really care. He's very yeah. laid back. He's a California guy. Yep. He's very laid back. He, he he says what's on his mind and he's honest about it. But he's not looking to try to get in John Jones's head. He's just he he just yeah. he says this is what I love is to be in a big fight with a big crowd, a big main event. Like yeah. Dominic Reyes embraces that. Yep. But he doesn't care that much about the trash talk. And I think that when they were kind of trash talking at the press conference, it kind of caught Dominic Reyes off guard because I don't think that was his game plan. I don't think he thought that he could mess with Jones that way. And I think that by not doing it, it actually messed with Jones more than yeah. actually doing it. Um, because Jones, I think, really wants to feel something going. He wants to twist his nipple and he wants yep. to get the adrenaline and he wants to um, get into a, a frame of mind where this is now personal, like it was with Cormier. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants the big brother, this guy. He wants to show this young guy that this isn't your time, yeah. young man. I, it was my yeah. time when I was 23. This isn't your time now. It's been nine years I've been at the top of the game. You, you've barely been in this sport for, what, five years. So you, you take a step back yeah. because this isn't, this isn't for you. That's the kind of frame of mind that John Jones is trying to get into to go in, going into this, this fight. And I think whether he gets into that frame of mind or not is actually a pretty big factor. It is. And what, so... In a lot of cases, the right mindset today, but a lot of coaches want today, and that changes. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes being motivated by different things helps. Right today, the way that a lot of coaches like to have you thinking, and you see it from Connor right now too, is it is not about that other guy. It's, and that's what uh, Reyes is saying. He's saying, crowd, fight, big fight, go perform. It's not about John Jones, right? And that's the way you want it. You don't want to be thinking, oh, my God, it's John Jones. I, I like the way he fought or he's the, the baddest ever or, oh, my God, I got to beat this guy. You don't want any of that because all of that is useless. It drives your cortisol up and it drives your testosterone down and your mind, like it, you hesitate. All that is bad. What you want to go out and do is just get out of your own way and go be your best you. And all of those things that he's saying are to that end. And Connor's doing the same thing. He's not talking about who he's going to fight because if you do it right, and in his case it's different because it's also from a business standpoint, if you do it right, it doesn't matter who the other guy is. That, and in theory, what most when, um, uh, psych coaches want you to do is you are fighting a body type and a skill set. You're not fighting a human. You're not fighting a guy with a name and a family and, and, yeah. and a highlight reel. And Reyes, I think, is yeah. trying to, like you said, adopt that mindset. And whether yeah. or not he's successful, yeah. we'll see. But he keeps saying, like, John Jones is just another guy. I just want to be, I want to be the champion. I feel like I'm smart. good enough to be champion. Smart. It's very smart. Uh, doesn't win you fights necessarily, but it's the right place to start. Also, on some level, Jones is really smart. He's really um philosophically sophisticated, like, and probably a lot more than we know. Um, he's reading books about war and strategy and football and all of these things. And as you do that over time, you start to see different layers of something. Whether he's thought about this consciously or not, on some level he knows that, that Reyes has the right mindset. Reyes is not responding to him. He's not able to provoke him. He's not talking trash, none of those things. And on some level, I think Jones maybe is trying to adopt the same mindset. It's like it's not about him. But it's, he's not super succeeding either because he keeps talking. Like you said, you know, it's not your time. All of yeah, those He's trying to put him down on yeah. social media, which yeah. John Jones has done in the past with guys like Cormier, and it's helped him get up for a for fight. Sure. He's very respectful with Thiago Santos. Yep. You know, even Anthony Smith was trying to call him out. He didn't really have much to say. I've, again, I just think that 
Jones wants to make this fight personal because he wants he the, he knows that Dominic Reyes is that good, yeah, and he can't afford to take that same approach yeah. that he's taken to the last two fights, it's which he won, both yes. of which he won. But he also he was, you know, there there's this idea that take no action unless it is purposeful. So when he fought all of these other fights that we're talking about, the ones where he was expected to win, he took no action unless it was purposeful. If, he's, if he landed two shots and he was winning the round, let's not do anything else. We don't have to, yep. right? That's the philosophy of how he fights. You can't really do that with this guy. This guy's going to come to you, right? Um, yeah, on some level, he, he certainly knows that. And again, like any theory or idea or perspective that we can come up with, or like you said, Brett, I didn't read that article, but Brett is very good. I'm a big fan of his. Um, and he's a good dude. dude. Brett's a really good dude. Um, when he talked to those coaches, there's not an idea those coaches could say, or any fighter could say, or we could say, or anybody could say about how you should beat John Jones that Jones and Greg Jackson and those guys haven't mm-hmm. thought about. Or, or a lot don't. of them are just inventing stuff. They're like the the kind of guy that needs to beat John Jones is a guy who's going to have better wrestling yeah. than him, be taller than yeah, him. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Eric Albarracine who said that. And he goes, and that person just doesn't exist. If yeah. you look at wrestling and you look at amateur wrestling, there's nobody that's like the same yeah. weight class as Jones that's taller than him and better than him at wrestling. So it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> it, yeah. we're creating these mythical creatures that are going to beat John Jones. Right, and and uh, and that's true, but. That isn't the only way to beat them. And it's very interesting. And I really, really, a lot of the times what these guys say we should ignore or even consider that they're purposefully lying. Because you should lie. This this is fighting. You shouldn't tell the truth when an interviewer asks you your thought on another guy. You should say something that is valuable to you, either for winning that fight or selling that fight or doing business or whatever. The truth is not of any value to you as a fighter when being interviewed. Mm -hmm. So we should assume that they're mostly uh, not telling the truth. But every now and again, you see these, these thoughts and things that people say that make you think. And so Cormier was saying it'll take a heavyweight to beat John Jones. I didn't think too much of that. That was just a thing that passed by. I never gave it much thought. And then Anthony Smith said, you know, I don't know what Cormier is actually thinking there. And that was fascinating because he's right. He's right. He pointed out, you were beating John Jones before you got kicked in the head. You know you can beat John Jones. You know firsthand that you have the skills yeah. necessary. You were beating him to a point exactly. of that fight. And one punch lands different. That kick doesn't land. That fight continues. I mean, you know you could beat John Jones. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that. You actually don't think <laughs> it's that. It never happened. It never yeah. happened. And, and so that's a fascinating one because... This is true in a lot of things. You can see this in a million ways in in real life around you. Sometimes you make things true by believing them, Mm -hmm. you know? And to beat John Jones or Khabib or any of these super greats, you ha- if you think they're the greatest ever, good luck, you know, yeah. good luck. You, you have to live, and most of the time they say it, he's just a man, I can yeah. beat him, that they're saying it. Depends it's, on what you really but think. But what are you yeah. really thinking? When you're alone and it's dark and it's two nights before and you're in your hotel room and the lights are off and you can't sleep, what are you really thinking? And here's one more thing <laughs> that I, I think might play into this, and very unlikely, but judges are human. And when I was mm. watching Tiago Santos with the aforementioned Brett Okamoto, I was sitting in the same room as him. Yeah. Brett scored that 48-47 for Santos. I don't think that if you watch that fight back, you can give that fight to Santos. No. The judges knew that, thankfully. Yeah. But, and I said this to somebody who worked here who also scored it for Santos, I go, go back and watch that fight and take the idea that John Jones is this unbeatable guy out of it. Because when you watch someone have success against someone who is one of the greats, 
you, you overestimate. It. Yeah. yeah, you overvalue, you overvalue it. Yeah. How, what they're doing because the crowd's going crazy. Yeah. They're like, oh, I've never seen this I before. I can't believe it. And yeah. a lot of people thought Gustafson yeah. beat Jones. And I went back and watched yeah. that fight, and Gustafson did not, be, did not beat post. Jones. No. But again, at that, to that point, Jones was whatever, a six to one favorite. Going into this fight, he's a six to one favorite or five to one favorite along those lines. People don't expect John Jones to lose. So when someone has success against John Jones in the Cormier fight, because of the line was so close, and people thought Cormier can beat this guy, maybe yeah. Yeah, on yeah. his best night he can beat him, then people aren't as surprised. But when someone like Dominic Reyes was kind of an unknown, unless you're like a real MMA, like really into MMA and you've watched, yeah. you watch all the fights, Dominic Reyes is kind of an unknown. And if you see him have success against someone who everybody knows, even if you're a judge, like there's got to be a part of you where you've got to, in your mind, be like, okay, block this out, yeah. block this out. I know the judge. Let's watch this fight. Let's like let's ignore who's who. And I think the judges did that for the Santos fight because on a bad night with bad judges, if that fight's in the state of Texas where this is taking place, and the judges, yeah. if, if they don't have good judges, which has happened in of the past, course. Santos could win that fight. Yeah. You can yeah. you can go back and score we'd that. We'd all be shocked. Yeah, we'd all be. Or but many of but us a would lot be. of people would be like, "Oh, well, I scored that for him, and I can see how that could happen." Because, yeah. like you mentioned with John Jones, sometimes he will win around. Like if he's won around at his head, he'll take the foot off the gas. But again, judges are human. Yeah, and humans well, make mistakes. Exactly. And you know, if you're sitting around, I was sitting around with John Kavanaugh and Rich Chow and Hans Mullenkamp from Monster, and we were watching Khabib versus Poirier. Uh, on a little on my laptop, it was super fun actually. And somewhere in there, someone was talking about a judge, or somebody said something online that about somebody having a good moment. And it was like a journalist, or, or you know, a big fan, somebody who really likes fighting. And one of the people, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Coach um, Kavanaugh, w- talked about how that person doesn't know martial arts, and they, th- whoever it was, and they wasn't being condescending because John's very, very not like that. He just said. You know, you can dismiss if somebody doesn't actually study martial arts. A lot of these judges don't exactly know Exactly where I was going. Exactly where I was going. I was, I was with Eugene Behrman after the um, Volkanovsky fight, and uh, I showed him the scorecards of what rounds the judges were giving to Max, and he looked at them and he goes, those judges just don't know martial arts. They, just, exactly. they don't know martial arts. And, and that's okay. Like, there's a certain amount of it, So It's okay, it, and it, it isn't okay. No, it, it is. So, <laughs> because, like, I, listen, if you said to me, Aaron, we want you to judge a fight— I would do my best, yeah. but I don't think I'm qualified. Yeah, like I've, not, watched, yeah. I've watched hundreds yeah. and hundreds, maybe yeah. even thousands of fights. But the most powerful thing about that is that you know that. Mm-hmm. And I don't a think lot of do. people don't know that. Yeah. And when I say it's all right, what I mean is it's a truth. It's a fact, one that we must accept. A reality. It's a reality, <laughs> right? And I, I, I use this in life all the time. You have to surf. You have to be a surfer. And a surfer spends zero moments bargaining with the wave or wishing it was a different wave or like, you know, being angry that he got that wave. He just surfs. He surfs. And and this is the same truth. If and when you lose a fight on the judges, if you obsess over the fact that those people didn't know what was going on, you're missing the point. The point is that you must win this fight in you must win three of these five rounds in the minds of two of those people. That's the truth of this. Mm-hmm. We can complain later that they didn't know what they were talking and about. And Santos, you could make a case, could have convinced the judges that, that he did that. Yeah. I, I don't think he did. And Do I think the majority remember? of people don't think he did. But some people yeah. thought that, like, yeah. if I go to, let me go to MMA Decisions for a second and see if any judges gave Santos, uh, there, John he... Jones, Santos, MMA Decisions. I'm sorry about the typing during a podcast, but, you know, we're in real time here. Yeah, this not, is real life. I'm drinking coffee, so if you hear... Yeah, we have four of the, the judges... Gave Santos that fight out of, let's see, we got four, 
Gave him that fight? Eight. Yeah, they gave Santos the fight over Jones. So we had 12, 12 scored it for Jones and four scored the fight for Santos. Wow. So like I said. Four it, of 16. Yeah. That's 25%. So you, you have Michael Bell as one of the judges, Derek Clear. Like how busy of a judge? I mean, these are in Nevada, so I imagine they're pretty busy. This guy, Michael Bell, he, he judges tons of fights. I'm looking at his record right now. I'm looking at how many. So this is an experienced judge. You've got Derek Cleary, who, whose name, of course, I know. And you've got uh, Junichiro Kamijo, whose name sounds familiar, too. Um, not as busy of a judge. Only judged in, wow, in 2019, he only judged, um, like, in terms of fights that went through with decision, like, maybe 10, 12 fights. So this isn't a yeah. very experienced judge. Yeah. So if, if he would have given it, to Santos, which he did. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, yeah. he did give it there to Santos. He's go. an inexperienced judge. Yeah. That can, like, if, if you have two of those judges, two of those guys. that's all it takes. That's it. Um, but I would actually, and even as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm still thinking, well, you know, there's always so many unknowns. And every single fight is a unique experience. And it's a dynamic. It's not, really doesn't always have much. We're very flawed in the tools that we tip, tend to use. So we look at tape. That isn't who they are. That's who right. they were, right? So that's actually way less valuable yeah. to us like, being w- able to predict the future. <laughs> watch than Jones we versus watch, watch Jones versus Gustafson one, and Jones versus Gustafson two, or even Jones versus Cormier two. Like these are two different fighters. Totally, yeah, totally hundred percent. And even Gustafson yeah. to an extent. I mean, he, the amount of injuries he had from fight one to fight two. Like you can argue that Jones got better and Gustafson got worse. Yeah. It's just an it, argument. It, it might not be true. On that night, Gustafson it, might have learned more skills along the way, but his body might have yeah. failed him. Yeah, yeah, or you know. His, you know, things like desire and tenacity and focus and all of these mental skills, those are all all trainable skills, too. And some of them deteriorate as you age or change or priorities in your life change. You have to go out there and fight a guy in your underpants in front of half a million people. Mm -hmm. That's that's not something that you just are able to do. You do that because of intense preparation to be able to do that Super Bowl performance on that night. You, You do it. And. And if you change your process along the way, like this, to me, the most fascinating thing, when you see some a performance, we will tend to, and especially at the beginning, as we take interest in something and, you know, we, maybe we don't study it specifically, we watch it a lot and we like it and whatever, we will tend to cast judgment. Somebody did a thing, that thing failed. Chris Weidman tried a spinning kick on Luke Rockhold. It failed. Mm-hmm. And, and what a stupid move. Yeah, Chael did that yeah. spinning backfist against Anderson. Yeah, yeah. how stupid. And we mm-hmm. see people, or somebody will watch somebody else and they'll say, they're limited in this way. They can't do these things. We have a tendency to cast judgment or think that's a bad choice at the time. That choice is a reflection of the last six weeks, six months, and six years of your life. You are not... and. During a fight, it's something that's it's a, it's it's nuanced, but it's beautiful. In when you're fighting at the highest level, you are not thinking um, analytically. You are doing what I like to call, and and I don't know if other people use this term or not, but it's um, algorithmic thinking. Algorithms mean if this, then that. Right? That's an algorithm. If if x plus b, then we do this mm-hmm. thing. It's algebra. So, yeah, yeah. You are your brain is running algorithms that it's been programmed to do in real time. So we watch something in slow motion and we'll be like, why did that guy decide to, he didn't decide, not in the way that you- Muscle memory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a term sometimes that we use or it's sort of a neurological thing or habit or um, reflex. We use all these terms, but what you are supposed to not be thinking in the way that you and I are thinking right now. And I talked to Eddie Alvarez about this on my YouTube channel one time. 
And he was like, correct. I brought it up and he said, correct, Robin. Right now I'm able to look and go, okay, you're wearing that shirt and I like yeah. the way your glasses look. How you look, process whatever. things, yeah. And he goes, but while we're fighting, I am free of all of that. And I'm not thinking in any normal way. So whatever, if you're performing at your best level, you're performing in that way where you're not using the same type of conscious thought. It's an altered mind. It's an altered neurological state. Um, you know, some people, uh, marijuana is legal in Canada. Some people smoke marijuana. Some people drink alcohol. It alters your state. The chemical cocktail that's happening in your brain when you're in a state of flow to perform yeah. like that is also an yeah. altered And also state. fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. And that is a reaction to it. Your brain works in a particular way during this, and you train it. So when we do see somebody do something that we think is a bad choice or didn't follow the game plan or whatever, that is, we, you know, we can cast judgment. That was stupid. That was bad. He made a mistake, whatever. But really, that's a pointless endeavor. What we are seeing is a reflection of everything they've done leading into this. The, the, what you do on the night is reflective of everything you did in preparation. So if and when John Jones loses, if and when a guy like uh, Dominic Reyes has the performance of a lifetime, that's a reflection of December 17th and January 21st and all of that stuff. It's not really as much about the night, which to me is just an incredibly fascinating thing. It's just incredibly fascinating what happens when the highest level of fighters fight. So when I bring up Shevchenko versus Chukagian, like we can basically rehash the same conversation we just had, but just switch. Of course. I mean, of course, you can talk yeah. skill set for skill set, yeah. but yeah. I mean. So the, the big, you know, what we just said is somewhat boring in some ways. It doesn't have the sizzle of, you know, the, the, the way that sometimes we get to talk about stuff and create ideas and, oh, this might turn into this or watch for this. But, what's, and, but it's true in every fight. There's all these millions of things happening. The brain is doing what it's going to do. There's a dynamic created. You're trying to, to disrupt how the person's brain is working, either through hitting it, jarring it, or overwhelming it, or fatiguing it, and, and then ultimately win. All of that's always true. But then there are, there are these extra elements that matter. That, and some of them matter really big. And one of them is reach. One of them is being really long. That's one of the reasons. And at the, even as I say it, I want to be careful. Sometimes we say, well, Jones is just long. No, he's a whole bunch of things, and, <laughs> and he's also long, long yes. right? Mm -hmm. and, and happens to know how to use that. Yeah. Like, Stefan Struve is long, but yeah. for a lot of people throughout his career, yeah. said he just doesn't they, know how yeah. to use it properly. Yeah. And, and, and he's gotten better at it. Yeah, and, and he does in many ways. And sometimes things become, you know, it's the thing we say about him, and it just we it becomes, treat it, it becomes, it becomes the truth. Yeah, yes. it becomes the truth. Uh, but uh, Caitlin is one of these. She uses long really well. And it, if you were going to beat... Uh, Shevchenko, that's going to be one of the things. You're going to have to be away from her. And it's long is an interesting one, too. And Jones uses it really well. He's, again, he's seven inches longer than you, plus his torso, plus his legs, plus the way he... So if you, if you imagine in your mind his feet, then his legs, and then his waist. Normal humans, as you look, keep looking up that, you see a head up there. His head is way off... To the back. As he's fighting, his head will slide off that line. So you're, if, even if you can reach where his head was, his head yeah, isn't there bad. anymore. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin's kind of good at that, too. She's able to do that. And if you notice even sort of the kicks and the punches of Shevchenko, the, oftentimes power comes from how you're connected to the ground. She's heavily, highly connected to the ground. So presumably the way you might try to beat her is... You know, touching her leg, touching her body with your long legs, touching her fist, her head with your hands, and moving away, making her chase, really moving, but very hard to do for 25 minutes, right? But yeah, all of the same things. But this is sort of a universal truth, and it's a, it's a, 
to me, this doesn't make fighting less fascinating. It makes it more fascinating. It doesn't make it less incredible that John Jones and Khabib and these people are undefeated. It makes it more incredible because you weigh the fact that on any, in any moment you can be separated from your consciousness or somebody can damage one of your limbs or you can blow out a knee, you know, um, and that is always in play. And we often will bring that up when it's some young guy fighting, you know, fighting one of the greatest ever. But, and it's something we'll probably talk about in our piece on Sports Center today. But I know it's something you and I have uh, talked about. As, let's say, I'm 23 and really good, at what point are you now older and slower? You don't know when that is. Maybe it's Saturday, right? And that matters. Absolutely. And I'm looking at uh, just the lineup, and there's a lot. There's a lot to like about this card, but there's not a whole lot of dissection that's possible because there. I mean, you could dissect Lauren Murphy versus Andrew, uh, Andrea Lee because you've got big sample sizes, but there's not a lot of sample sizes for a lot of these younger fighters that are on this card. I think that Dan Ige versus Mirsad Bektik is going to be a yep. fun fight. Um, is Mirsad still uh, at TriStar? I didn't I see him when I was. Oh yeah, I, d- I think he was there when okay. we were there. We shot some things with George and. Uh, uh, we got Latifi versus Lewis, but Latifi, we don't really know what he's going to bring to the table. He's really heavyweight cool. in the UFC, yeah. but he's he's, an, he's big. He, yeah, and he's 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 a cool athlete. He's a really neat athlete. Mm-hmm. It's funny, our jobs tend to the roles that we give ourselves tend to be let's take this fight and then figure out ways to talk about it. I don't know why that that's just sort of how presenting boxing or football happened, but there's always. Interesting things in the matchup themselves, but to me, the beauty of it is that ongoing change of the organism itself that mm-hmm. is right. fighting. Yeah, the evolution. You know, the yeah, how and why it's changing, you know. And uh, a lot of the things that you see are, no, are already happening or have happened, but to a lot of people, they seem shocked by it. Like Connor using his shoulder, mm-hmm. that happens almost every night. You just rarely see it done so succinctly, yeah. and you almost never see it done out in the open space mm-hmm. like that. But shoulder strikes against the fence, you see on yeah. almost every fight show, and you have Randy Couture did it in you know 2002. Like they, this has always been the weaponization of every part of your body has always been a part of fighting. But all of a sudden, you see something like that, and now it, it I, opens on, up everything. On Monday, yeah. every guy in every gym was <laughs> playing course, around yeah. with that. Even though they all did already. When, when you are training for a fight, one of the big things that you do, uh, one of the big types of preparation, you, you fight on the ground with small gloves and strikes, and you fight standing up with big gloves and takedowns. But there's almost every gym does rounds just against the fence, mm-hmm. where I'll start, we'll start with an underhook each and one of us against the fence, and we start. Because that's a position that's going to happen all the time. So you should be training it every day. Mm-hmm. In that position... Everybody uses shoulder strikes. Like, it's always there. It's always an option. It's being used. But it's until you saw somebody's face get smashed with it, right. until you saw yeah. somebody's nose, you didn't treat it with the same weight that all of a sudden you do mm-hmm. now. You're like, oh, wait a yeah, second. Yeah, just like the Travis Brown elbows. Like, people yeah, were always doing those exactly. elbows, and now suddenly you're rattling people's brains, and you can yeah. use it as a weapon to end fights. Yeah, and... Uh, what did it do? It changed where I can put my head when I go in to grab your hips, mm-hmm. especially against the fence. Yeah. I used to be able to put my head there. Why did I put my head there? Because you couldn't guillotine it. Yeah. Because it was too low for you to guillotine. Mm-hmm. But too low to guillotine, but yeah, low elbows. enough yeah. for me to elbow. Yeah. elbow you. So now the game itself changes that anybody 
you know, by the time you've been fighting for a couple of years, you just don't put your head there anymore. Yeah. It just you can't put it there. And that'll change the over-under position now. All these guys will suddenly be like, wait a second. I should just – I should believe in what I can do with my shoulder right. more. Connor's not – I mean, he's a pretty special athlete. His, his physicality is really different. Uh, but everybody can use that tool. Mm-hmm. And what, when you look at that piece, he put his hand in the bicep – which is common, and then he's sort of used, it really comes from the feet. If you go back and you watch that clip, and you look at his feet, driving through the hips, yeah. hand in there. Almost leaving the yeah. ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think he even did leave the ground on one of them. That There are a hundred of those. Mm-hmm. There are a hundred different things that exist that people don't know, or don't think about, or don't treat, don't respect, or don't believe in yeah. as, enough. And when and we started this conversation, you saying there's no real holes in John's game. You just make things that he does uh, that don't exist yeah. in his game. And yet. John, Jones and Reyes yeah. both have kind of tricks. Like yeah. Jones has that arm thing that I was talking yeah. about, where he tweaks the arm yeah. when he gra- gets a hold of it. He did it to Cormier. He's done it to other fighters. Yeah, uh, the oblique he, kicks he, he kind of normalized. To, um, to, oh, yeah, he injured Glover. a guy. Glover. Yeah, he injured Glover yeah. with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but that's that's just limb destruction. Mm-hmm. Limb destruction yeah. is back to Bruce Lee in the seventies. You and, know, and Reyes, uh, as Hardy, Dan Hardy pointed out, does the cheese grater a lot when when he's up against, when someone's yep. uh, got him against the cage, he moves up and down to move their arm, their hands up and down yeah. the cage to get their hands For unclinched. Sure. Yeah, and, and I it, think it's a brilliant tactic, and then it's it's. Just the that's why the sport is so amazing. Just the inventiveness of these martial yeah. artists and learning things and practice and trying them out. It's just like yeah. it's unbelievable. And and this is where the game really is at right now. When you you know I get to go into these and train with all these great coaches and, and when I travel I get to you know and I'm commentating or I'm 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 analyzing or whatever I'll get to train in the rooms with these guys. The game now, when we discuss the game, the royal we, the fans, the uh, people who do it, we are looking at, well, how does this guy do this? How does this guy do this? What's, but what the, the coaches and the fighters are really doing is they're trying to innovate all the time. So it's not, how good is this guy's double leg? Or how good is this guy stopping a double leg? They're just not even going to do that anymore. They're like, that's, that is five years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, instead, we're going to try to get the body lock. We're going to use that to push you to the fence. And we're going to lace your leg with my leg and start because... Your, your proper reactions to the things that we used to do when we'd try to fight you have changed what we can do. So you do something else, now you stand up in a particular way or somebody applies that, that uh, crush to your arm or whatever. Those things create new openings and new holes. And if you're going to be the John Jones, you have to create those. They exist, but people haven't found them yet. There are things you can do to John Jones that he won't understand. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very difficult to find those yes. things. But if you can find them, you have to invent You have to get them. into the, uh, that's the right. lab. That's right. And that's, that to me is why. And there are, you know, over the last, you know, decade and a half of being obsessed. And, and when I was fighting and training all the time to, through now, the thing about you have these different relationships with how and why you like this art form or you study it or, or you know, I do the jobs that I do. Uh, and what I like about it right now is that it's all being rewritten. The things that you should and shouldn't do. And, and I see this in society. I see this in real life. You see this in our jobs. You know, we're, we're here doing a podcast. Podcasts didn't exist seven years ago. Now they're normal. You know, that constant change in how things work, you start to see it everywhere where people are no sort of a decentralization of knowledge. Once upon a time, uh, there's a really great book, and it's, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was B.J. <laughs> sure. Penn's. I'll take your word for it yeah. that it was great. Yeah, B.J. Penn's Fighting Book, mm-hmm. right? And I 
the big book of fighting. I forget what it was called. But essentially in there, he broke down all of the moves that people do when they fight. Mm -hmm. This is how you punch, and this is where you punch here, and this is how you put this combination together, and against the fence, here's what you do. All of that is no longer true. Yeah, almost all of, I mean, this yeah. is such a young sport, and the, the evolution yeah. is just, it's rapid and it's crazy. Yeah, and it's very difficult to keep up on, and it's very difficult for the fighters to do it. It's very difficult for our language to do it. Even the jobs that we do trying to report on it or show people it or, or you know, enrich their experience of watching it or whatever, our language starts to lag behind the constant innovation that's happening. Like, you know... It, it's, it is in, incredibly, incredibly fascinating, and it's constantly changing. And there are, there are 17-year-olds doing things right now that, that Anderson Silva couldn't have dreamed of. You know what I mean? And it's only you know, one generation later. Yeah, it's quite, quite remarkable. Well, Robin, thanks for this. It's great to unpack this. I'm looking forward to doing this for Sports Center and seeing, yeah. seeing how we're able to take all of that and kind of yeah. compartmentalize it into a small ball. But, but that's, the, that's the beauty of, of getting to do so many different things. A podcast is your long form. You can meander and explore and think and try different things and you know, pontificate. But then our other job on TV, literally, we got to figure out how to take this 40-minute conversation that we've had and turn it into some meaningful two minutes. And that's fun, uh, but it's not easy. (laughs) That's why I always tell people that I recommended you to to come and work here is because you're able to take what we just did and make it into something that's concise, three minutes, digestible, and easy for people to understand that don't really watch fighting and, and make them think a little bit more. Um, about it, and then wonder what's going to happen in a fight. And I think mm-hmm. that that's um, why you're such an asset here at the uh, Well, thanks, man. Thanks for bringing me in here, too. I, <laughs> love, I love it here. I talk about it all the time about, like, you know, I have a bunch of different gigs that I do and travel and stuff, but there's something, it's maybe, it, it, it's partly just this is a cool place and it's cool people, but there's something also just really different about being around other Canadians. Besides the fact that we're absurdly polite to each other, we, we have a slightly different perspective. It's not better or we're, we're not, compete, we're not really worse. competing with each other yeah it's yeah. one way of looking at it like we're not trying to one-up each other we're just trying to yeah, yeah. we're trying get, to get yeah. the information out yeah there. we're trying to get somewhere with it but i hope it turns out good but that's our job and we sure as hell are not com- complaining about it like what a fun job that is oh i love it the best. <laughs> the, every day i think I my know, lucky stars i know all right robin well uh everybody enjoy ufc 247 uh, we look forward to it. We'll see if what we said about Dominic Reyes yep. plays out. I mean, again, we're not predicting he's going to win, but we're just looking for uh, ways to unpack how he might have some success against a guy that's very, very difficult to have success against. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.